It's that time. It is that time. Come on. Come on. I need y'all to like seriously tag somebody. Y'all been waiting for this one. I mean, I've, I've seen the IG stories. I've seen the tags, the DMs. I can't wait for Therapy Thursday, and I can't wait either. Thank you so much for joining me once again. I do this every single week, but I'm intentional with doing it. Um, one of the reasons I'm so intentional with doing this is because when you are growing, when you are healing, sometimes it could feel like a very lonely process, and you could entertain thoughts of, is this making a difference? Or is this really working? So every week I say this, could y'all tag somebody in the room, look down the chat, tag somebody and say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Look at you, bro, being consistent, showing up for therapy. Look at you, sis, showing up for therapy. Tag somebody and just let them know I am proud of you. I see you healing. I see you becoming. I see you being intentional. Let's start any, let's start an encouraging thread. Tag somebody. Thank you so much for joining me on tonight. And I believe that this word, I believe for many of us is gonna be prophetic. I believe for others of us, it's going to be a um, tear stimulator. Um, and for many of us, my ultimate prayer is that this starts a homecoming journey, meaning it starts a journey of us discovering the you that God originally created for you to be. Homecoming, that you, come back home. The you that I made you, I need you to come on back home. So I, I want you, I want to start with this. I want you to think about this. This is something that's really been blessing me. It's just a thought I had. I want us to be aware of the fact that our thoughts are apparel. Our thoughts are apparel. Like what you're wearing right now, the clothes that you have on was somebody's thought, a designer's thought. Our thoughts are apparel. The, the transportation method that you use on the regular, regular, it's rather if it's a bus, a car, a, a bike, a subway, whatever you use to be transported from A to B was somebody's thought, was somebody's thought. Even if you are butt naked right now, <laughs> you are still wearing God's thought. He designed your epidermis. Thoughts become apparel. So if that be true, could it be possible that the reason I feel so discouraged is because I'm wearing my thoughts? Or here it is. Could it be the reason I feel so discouraged is because I'm wearing the thoughts of others? I'm wearing the thoughts of others. This is going to be good, y'all. Thoughts are apparel. Bible all day. As a man thinketh, so is he. So I want to get to work in this session that we have on tonight, uh, this beautiful Therapy Thursday. Um, I started this year off um, establishing Therapy Thursday. I first thought that it was something that the Holy Spirit wanted us to do. And now, more than ever, I know that that was God speaking to me. I'm transparent enough to say sometimes when God speaks, I'm not necessarily sure if it's him yet, but as I keep doing it, it unfolds. It, it like reveals to me, yes, this is the spirit of God talking to you. Um, and I just felt led to do a therapy Thursday. Um, and it's just something that I've stated all throughout January, all throughout February, that there are going to be requirements as benevolent followers of Jesus that's gonna require, y'all could probably finish it, it's gonna require for you to be healed on the inside 
so that you could do those biblical mandates. The Bible and us teaching it on Sunday is absolutely awesome, but Sunday is not enough. Sunday is not enough. For many of us, there are things that God wants us to do, but due to our brokenness and unaddressed trauma, we are limited in being obedient. So we started this off in January and I did a message. It was a session entitled, I'm God Made. If you did not check that particular Therapy Thursday out, you need to go check it out. I'm God Made. Because the fastest way for you to shake off defeat the fastest way for you to shake off shame, the fastest way for you to shake off insecurity, the fastest way for you to shake off guilt is for, to, is for you to engage in what I like to call Potter Reflections. Potter Reflections. It is a time in your life when you pause for the cause of reflecting on what does the potter say about me? What, what, what does the potter say about me? I know this is what I'm thinking about me, but what does my maker think about me? Potter reflections. I know that this is what they labeled me as, but what are some labels that my father has given me? Potter reflections. I'm serious, y'all. This, this requires many times you getting verses, memorizing it, mastering it so that you can regurgitate it when lies come before you and the enemy wants you to adopt that lie as truth. I have to have some potter reflections. I'm the head and not the tail. Come on. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. God has a plan for me. He has a hope for me, a future for me. I need to start thinking on Potter Reflections. Can I get somebody to put in the room Potter Reflections? Potter Reflections. Thinking on God's thoughts and remembering that I'm God made. I think his thoughts, while I'm here in time, there's something that he wants me to do. And my confidence in him is gonna be the gasoline that causes for me to be confident in my assignment. And one day, one day, I feel myself getting excited. One day we will be with him for all of eternity where there's no need for the moon, there's no need for the stars because his glory fills the temple. And I wanted us, I wanted us to understand those profound, solidifying biblical truths because if we're not careful, please hear me, if we are not careful, we will allow betrayal, heartbreak, heartache, disappointments on repeat and unfulfilled expectations cause for us to doubt our future because of the anxiety we are having in the present. Did y'all hear what I just said? I wanted us to understand and have those profound, soul edifying biblical truths in our core because if we're not careful, we will allow betrayal, heartbreak and heartache, disappointments on repeat and unfulfilled expectations. Can we park right there? Unfulfilled expectations. Like many of us don't even recognize that we're not just hurt due to what happened, but rather we're hurt due to what didn't. <laughs> like we're not just hurt due to what happened. No, we're hurt due to what didn't. It is the expectation that I have placed on people that has many of us one meltdown away from losing our mind. Expectations, expectations. So I'm hurt because of what I've expected. I have placed an expectation on a person. Because I did this to them, 
They should also do this to me. So I'm expecting me from them. Like you're expecting you from people, expectation. Or you have placed an expectation on a date. By the time I'm 35, this should have happened. By the time I finish this, this should have happened. By the time, and so I'm placing all of these expectations on dates. And now I'm hurt because I have not reaped the harvest of what I have anticipated. Expectation, expectations. Could I be hurting myself because I'm expecting myself from them? Or could I be hurting myself because I'm giving God a deadline and I'm upset at him because he didn't meet my deadline? Talk Holy Spirit. And I wanted to address this problem and this issue on tonight because it is possible for you to lose you because of them. It is possible for you to lose you because of them. It, it is possible for you to lose you due to it. Like there are three yous on the inside of you right now. There are three yous on the inside of you. There is a you that you're called to be, a you that you used to be, and a you that you currently are. Three yous. My job, and of course, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, my job on tonight is I want to assist you. I want to be a secretary to your evolution so much so to where the you that you're called to be and the you that you currently are are in a committed relationship. <laughs> this is so good. A lot of us have internal situationships because sometimes you the you that you called to be and other times you the you that you used to be and I don't really know the you I'm supposed to be in the present. My job on tonight and of course through the empowering of the Holy Spirit is to help you discover and help for you to become the you that you have been called to be and the you that you currently are. Oh, that, that's in a committed relationship because it's possible that you can use you. And here's the question. Here's the question. Can you identify which you you are? <laughs> because if you're going to change, if you're going to change, I want your change to be because your mind was enlightened versus your heart has been broken. You see, if you're going to change, if your personality is going to change, I don't want it to be because your heart was broken. I want it to be because your head has been enlightened. Which you are you? The you you're called to be, the you you used to be, or the you you currently are, and you're confused about that you. You know what depression is many times? I feel this thing, y'all. You know what depression is? Depression many times is the real you has been pressed down. The real you has been pressed down. It has been pressed down by what my, what my parents think about me. It has been pressed down from what culture thinks about me. Remember, thoughts are apparel. All of this connects. Could it be I am so depressed because the real you has been pressed down? It has been pressed down by your own but your own expectations, it has been pressed down by trauma. It has been pressed down by that divorce. It has been pressed down by church hurt. It has been pressed down by addiction. It has been pressed down by the thoughts that you keep thinking about yourself. Why am I so downcast on my soul? Could it be because depression is a way of your spirit revealing to you the real you has been pressed down? Which you? 
are you? I want to show you some. I want to show you this. Um, a few passages of scripture um, I articulated before for connecting purposes, but I want to add some more that you can really see this. The three yous. A you you're called to be, a you you used to be, and the you you currently are. All right. So Psalms 139 verse 1, the psalmist says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Somebody put in the room, he knows me. He knows me. He knows me. All caps, he knows me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Okay. Put a mental bookmark there. Let's keep going. Exodus chapter 33, verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. One more time, put in the room, he knows my name. He knows my name. Okay, so he knows me, he knows my name, all right? God knows you and he knows your name. Now, most of us know this. I've quoted this before. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Are y'all seeing these yous? Are y'all seeing these yous? I know you by name, Exodus 33, verse 17. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. That's another you. Jeremiah one, verse five. Before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So we have these use three use. Now this is the scariest, just my personal opinion. This is not facts, but it's just my personal opinion. This is the scariest passage of scripture throughout the whole Bible. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, Jesus is speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23, verse of emphasis, it says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. First passage, I know you. Second passage, I know your name. Third passage, I knew you before you in your mother's womb. Last passage, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, bookmark there. I was asked this question many years ago. How could a loving God send somebody to hell? That's my problem with Christianity. How could a loving God send someone to hell? I said, okay, I wanna give you this illustration. For ladies watching this, have you ever had a dude who really, really likes you? <laughs> he like really, really likes you and he just can't catch a hint. <laughs> just can't catch a hint. Like he really likes you and you've articulated to him, I think you're nice, let's just be friends. Some of us like, I don't even wanna be friends, bro. You just a bugaboo, just chill. Okay, I want you to consider if there was somebody who really likes you, like they really, really like you. They constantly keep sending you text messages. They constantly keep sliding in your DMs. They send you flowers. They like send you Uber Eats all the time, like edible arrangements. They constantly are doing all this nice stuff for you, but you don't want them. And you trying to get them to understand, I don't like you. I don't want you. And they just keep on doing it over and over. Now, if one day they were like, you know what? You're going to be with me. Forget what you're talking about, heifer. You're going to be with me. You're going to love me. You're going to be with me forever. You're going to be with me. 
That's not love anymore, right? <laughs> That's not love anymore. Like, I don't want you. You can't force me to be with you. Okay, so what hell is, is God's way of saying, I love you so much, I'm not gonna force you to be in my presence. I love you so much, I'm not gonna force you to spend eternity with me because hell is separation from God. Since you don't want me, since you don't value my text messages, since you don't want to spend time with me, I gave you free will, you have a choice. But since you don't want me, it wouldn't be love for God to say, I know you don't want me, but spend the rest of eternity in my presence, okay? This is why we have to have apologetics, y'all, so that you could put it in a way where I want you to think is he really sending you there? Are you saying, I don't want you. Don't send me any more edible arrangements. Don't send me any more text messages. I don't wanna read your texts. I don't wanna spend time with you. I don't wanna make you happy. And God's like, okay, I love you so much where I'm not gonna force you to be with me. All right? Now, all of those yous, okay, I know you. I know you by name. Before you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Sounds like a contradiction, right? It's not. The revelation is, it's possible for you to become a you I never created for you to be. So you became a you due to the culture. You became a you while you were in the earth that is not the you that I created for you to be. See, I had a plan for you. I had an assignment for you. I had a promised land for you. I had promises for you, but you did not want me. And because you don't want to trust me, you became a you because you believe their lies. You became a you because you accept their beliefs. You became a you because of what others have said. Now, remember, thoughts are apparel. Thoughts are apparel. So when I believe what they say more than what he says, I end up wearing it. So I'm wearing insecurity due to the culture's definition of beauty. That's not what God says is beautiful. But I'm wearing doubt due to the culture's definition. I'm wearing stressing myself out and feeling like I'm behind because I don't know how to trust that he truly is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So yeah, you can become another version of you, or let's put it this way, you could lose you. Could you have lost you? Lost you somehow under the lies of culture. Somehow under trauma, pain, somehow under disbelief, is it possible that I'm talking to people on tonight that you have lost the God-ordained version of you? Because the byproduct, hear me, the byproduct of unhealed hurt is losing self. This is so good, y'all. The byproduct of unhealed pain, unaddressed hurt is to lose self. That hurts to lose self. So like, I'm about to go on a journey. I want you to travel with me. It hurts when you are being bad mouthed by people that you fed their mouth. <laughs> like it hurts. It hurts to be bad mouthed by, by mouths that you fed. 
especially as a pastor, I know this pain. It hurts to feed people and now the same mouths that you have fed are bad mouthing you. It hurts, it hurts. And the byproduct of unaddressed pain is losing self, losing self. Like it hurts when you are wiping the tears from somebody who keeps causing yours. It hurts, it hurts. The byproduct of unaddressed pain is losing self. It hurts. It hurts when you have been knocked down from somebody that you helped up. Is this too real, y'all? It hurts. It hurts. It hurts to constantly be treated like an option when I constantly treat you like a priority. If you need me, I'm there. If you call me, I'm there. But when I need something from you, it's not reciprocated. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts when you go from being friends to strangers with memories. Y'all, I feel this. <laughs> I feel this. It hurts. Like sometimes it's not just what happened that hurts. It's who did it. It's not just what happened. It's who did it that makes it hurts. Because the byproduct of unaddressed pain is losing self. This is one reason, per adventure, one reason why it's so hard for you to move on, one reason why it's so hard to let them go, and the reason that breakup hurts so bad is because you lost you while with them. And so when they leave, y'all don't wanna talk, when they leave, it literally feels like your identity left too because you lost you with them. So now when I lose that job, I viewed my identity from that position. I, I viewed my identity from that relational status. And when I lose them because I was so lost in them, I don't even know who I am. And so it hurts because it feels like you're taking a piece of me because I don't remember who I was or I never knew who I was before you and I thought I found me while with you or while having that title. It hurts. It hurts. And this, this is why we got to heal. This is why Jerry had to heal. We have to heal so that we don't use people to forget someone else. Torrance, you hear what I just said? We have to heal so that you don't end up using someone else to try to forget someone else because you don't even know who you are. So I'm using every person I meet to try to forget who I met because I'm trying to, I'm trying to discover who I am. When you're not healed, you'll do that. Culture calls it a rebound relationship. I'm telling you, it's I'm using people to try to get over who used me. And this is just something personally I learned in my life, personally. And if there's anybody who agrees with this, put amen in all caps in the room. This is what I learned. If hurting me, speaking of me, if hurting me does not hurt you, you don't love me, you're using me. Am I the only one? Like, people I love, it, it would hurt me to hurt you because I love you. I, even as a dad, like when my children do things that are wrong or not honest, me teaching them a lesson or me correcting them, I be like, I want to take it soft on them, be easy on them, but I know I, I, I got to teach them the principle of sowing and reaping. I, I got to do that. 
It's like, okay, because you took your sister's toy and broke it because you were upset, I'm taking your toy. Like I, I have to, that kind of hurts me. I don't want to do that, but I have to correct my children, you see? And so I, I, I've come to this place in my life, any person who it does not hurt to hurt me, they don't love me. It does not hurt them to hurt me, they don't love me, they're using me. Because when you love somebody and you're correcting them, even though you know it's good for them, it's like, mm, I'm doing this out of love. I'm doing this out of love. Like, I'm correcting you because I love you. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. I'd rather be slapped by truth than kissed with a lie. I'm doing this because I love you. And it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to do it too, but you have to learn. That's different. I'm talking about those who feel nothing by hurting you. I didn't even know it hurt you. <laughs> oh, that hurt your feeling? I, I didn't know it hurt you. It's possible for you to lose you because of a title or because of something that you have allowed to be pressed down and that something is you. You hear me, y'all? You have to heal. You have to heal because somebody needs the you that you've been called to be. Your future spouse needs the you that you've been called to be. For somebody who's married, your current spouse needs the you that you have been called to be, not the you that you used to be. Somebody in the community needs the version of you that you've been called to be. Y'all wouldn't be gleaning from this if I didn't heal from what hurt me. I couldn't serve you a called version of me if I still was who I used to be. I, I couldn't do it. So even me, like you being edified, challenged, or encouraged from this wouldn't even happen if I didn't recognize, okay, I can't lose me. That, that betrayal hurt, but I can't allow that betrayal to cause me to be so pressed down to where I lose me. I can't lose me. There's a generation who needs the called version of me. There's a generation that needs the called version of you. There are people who needs the called version of you. There's an audience that needs the called version of you. There's a platform that needs the called version of you. There's a household that needs the called version of you. There's love that somebody needs that you cannot give until you become the called version of you. Is it possible that you lost you. So on tonight, for a few more moments, I want to speak around that thought from this subject, for this therapy session, for Therapy Thursday. Don't lose you. Let's pray. Father, first and foremost, we ask for you to forgive us. Forgive us for believing lies instead of your truth. Help us to recall that we are God made and that you know us and that you search us and that you know us by name. And before we were in our mother's womb, you knew us, God. There is a you that you created for us to be. There's a you that, that you called us to be that the earth needs. You gave us a purpose because like we've learned, purpose is a fixer. And I can't fix problems if I'm not the you that I'm ordained to be to fix the problem. Would you help us have a spiritual homecoming where we could discover the person that you have called us to be, not the person our mother said that we were, not the person that an ex said that we were, not the person that a pastor said that we were. Help us to discover the you that you have called us to be, the organic self, because the oil only flows on the organic self. And we pray, Father God, that you give us eyes, 
in our heart that have insight enough that can recognize who I am is not who I've been called to be. My personality has changed because of that, but that's not the personality that you gave me. Redeem back unto us the personality, the joy, the perspective that you have ordained for us to have versus the pain that is trying to give us a new identity and a new perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room, amen. Amen. I'm trying to help somebody, y'all. I'm trying to help you. The blessings find the authentic version of you. The next level blessing, the spiritual endorsement, is going to find the real you. The oil is going to flow on the real you. The opportunities are going to be provided for the real you, not the fake version of you. This is why we have to spend time in his presence. We're so caught up. This generation, this era, millennials, Gen Z, like we are so caught up with presentation versus presence. It is in his presence that there is fullness of joy. So my presentation, you're getting the overflow of me being in his presence. For many of us, everybody we encounter, they're getting the overflow of us being pressed down, not the overflow of us being in his presence. There's this confession I want us to say. You know how I do. I love for us to speak just, just like positive biblical affirmations over ourselves because I don't know if you do it on your own. So can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps, all caps, Father, heal and reveal the you I'm supposed to be the oil is reserved for the authentic self. That's a prayer right there. Let's put that in the room, all caps. Father, heal and reveal the you I'm supposed to be. The oil is reserved for the authentic self. The authentic self, the byproduct of unhealed, unaddressed pain is losing self. There's this passage of scripture that I want us to see. Um, a few passages I want us to see where you can kind of see how this looks in the text. Now, what we're talking about now is David has become king. He is now king over Israel. Saul and Jonathan have died, all right? Now, the custom of that day was once a new king is established on the throne, once he becomes king, they kill off all of the family. All of the family, because we don't want we don't want a rebellion from like a like a grandson or a rebellion from an uncle saying that due to blood this this throne is rightfully mine. So just one of the practices that they had was once a new king comes to power, they kill off all of the family to try to prevent a future rebellion. So this is kind of where we're picking off in this particular life of King David. Second Samuel chapter four, verse four, it says. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old. When the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle, when the child's nurse, mm, when the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. Now, I want to go over to the ninth chapter of the same book. 
um, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I could show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am Ziba. I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. However, he is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked, in Lodabar. Ziba told him, at the home of Mirkur, the son of Emil. Now, this would mean nothing to you if you didn't understand what Lodabar meant. Lodabar is a wasteland, is a Palestinian desert, is a place of no pastures. Literally, Lodabar means a place of nothing. Okay, so watch this. Mephibosheth goes from being the king's grandson to being dropped by a caregiver to becoming hurt due to someone I trusted mishandling me. Now I'm crippled in a place of nothing. <laughs> Y'all saw all of that connect? I'm, a, I'm royalty, just like you and me. I want you to see you in the text. I'm royalty. See, the art of good preaching is to make the text come alive. I am royalty, but somebody who was supposed to take care of me hurt me. And due to them hurting me, I'm crippled in the area. And now, because I'm crippled, I'm in a place of nothing. Because it's possible that you lose you due to what happened to you. Now look, to prove this, I want us to look at verse 8. Same exact chapter, same exact book. I want us to look at this. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. This is once King David is speaking to Mephibosheth. Verse 8, it says, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Look at how he's speaking to himself. I want you to see you. Because I know, I know I see me. Look how he views himself. Who am I? that you would give an opportunity to a dead dog like me. Who am I to make a podcast? Who am I to start a YouTube channel? Who am I to have that opportunity? Who am I that they would notice me? Who, who am I? I'm nothing but a dead dog. Look, the you he's been born to be is royalty. He lost that. The you that he currently is, is a dead dog. This is so powerful, y'all. Due to a person hurting me, I allowed the royalty you to become a dead dog you. Who hurt, who hurt you? Just like Mephibosheth, we could see something changed his perspective. Now, I don't know how old Mephibosheth was, but he had to be young to be dropped. I, I wonder, did he used to play in the palace? I wonder, did he used to play with his grandfather's crown? I wonder, did he used to walk the royal king's court 
and was exposed to what royalty looked like, but due to a caregiver. See, this is childhood trauma at its finest. Due to somebody who was supposed to give care, that's what a caregiver is, somebody who was supposed to give care to me, somebody who I entrusted, somebody who was supposed to look after me, they were so caught up with their issues. See, gosh, she was scared for the child and for herself. Remember I told us in those days, once a new king came to power, they would kill the whole royal family. So she really was trying to help Mephibosheth. But it's not help if it hurts me. See, who, who in our life says I'm helping you, but they're actually crippling you? Because it's not help if I leave crippled. She was trying to help, but she mishandled him and dropped him. Many of us, due to us being dropped, you, and myself have been there, have lost you. I, I think differently because I've been dropped. I respond differently because I've been dropped. Due to me being dropped, something about me has shifted. See, I'm like, bro, she had to be moving fast. <laughs> she had to be moving fast or dropping from a certain height for you to be crippled. See, your feet may not be crippled, but your perspective is. Talk Holy Spirit. Your feet may not be crippled, but your mindset is. The way you view you is. And so what happens once you have been dropped, you view every potential, every new caregiver, caregiver as somebody else who has the potential of dropping you. Every person who tries to love you. See, that's what trauma does. It causes for you to be where when love knocks on the door of your heart, fear causes for you to act like you're not home. Due to who dropped me, and this is just something I've learned, y'all, the spawning pool of a judging heart is somebody who has been dropped several times. I don't trust nobody. Everybody fake. He fake too. Making this everybody. The spawning pool of a judging heart is when a person has dropped you several times, several times. So as I'm looking at this text, I recognize he shifted from royalty to viewing himself like a dead dog. And remember, David was a man after God's own heart. David really was showing us what God wants to do. David was like, okay, who could I show kindness to? Is there anybody left of of Saul's family, for Jonathan's sake, because Jonathan and David were best friends. Is there anybody left that I could show kindness to? Who could I show the goodness of the Lord to? Who could I show mercy to? Who can I sh show grace to? Who can I show love to? Is there anybody that I could show off my God's goodness to? I see Mephibosheth as me, y'all. And if you look closely at the text, maybe you see Mephibosheth as you. God is like, who could I bring back to royalty who has lost themselves due to being dropped? Who could I bring back? Who could I redeem once again? This passage of scripture is so profound to me because I think the first step, okay, Jerry, I hear you, but how, how do I, 
How do I start the homecoming journey? How do I start the journey of discovering the me that God has cosmically created for me to be? Of course, it starts with the Lord. <laughs> like if God ordained for you to be a certain version of you, you're not gonna find that version of you in anything else outside of God. So of course, at first, it starts with accepting Christ as Lord. And there's this powerful analogy that uh, I'm gonna show you on Sunday as we're continuing our exit strategies uh, series. I'm speaking from this thought, unlearning abuse. And it's a twist on it because one, whenever we engage in patterns that are unhealthy for us spiritually, we're engaged in self-abuse, like, like self-sabotage. So we have to unlearn finding comfort in what's abusing my spiritual growth, all right? And there's this, there's this analogy that I wanna show. I'm gonna have this picture of me as a child. I'm gonna put it in the bottom of this trash can and I'm gonna pour all of this stuff on it. And the reason I'm doing it is because once you do not know Jesus, the Bible refers to that as lost. Once we come into the knowledge of truth, then it refers to us as lost and found, okay? So the question I was having as I was engaged in sermon prep this week was, well, why is it so many of us are in Christ, but still feel lost? <laughs> like I'm in Christ, but I still feel like I have lost me. I don't know who I am. And the, the analogy is what God was revealing to me is you're not lost, you're buried. The real you is buried under all of this pain, under all of these, these beliefs of what success is. You are buried. And so unlearning abuse looks like digging through the trash to redeem that child again. It's gonna be powerful, check it out. Um, but the first step after accepting Christ on how do we start this journey to redeem the you that God created for you to be is point number one, come out of Lodabar. Come out of Lodabar. That is the place of nothing. Identify what in your life leaves you with nothing. Come out of Lodabar. Remember, it's a wasteland, a place of no pastures. What in your life is contributing to waste? What in your life is not a fountain, but rather a drain? What in your life is not a lift, but rather a weight? Identify in your life what is causing for me to stay in a place of nothing because reciprocity is the evidence of appreciation. So, so good, y'all. It's the first thing David said. Where is he? He is in Lodabar. Go get him. God wants to bring you out of a place of nothing. Even God loves reciprocity. Give you Bible all day. James chapter four, verse eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. <laughs> come to me, I'm gonna come to you. It's the first thing. Identify my Lodabar and come out of it. The places that contribute to nothing. Number two, Forgive them and forgive you. I promise, bitterness always handcuffs the God-ordained version of you. Bitterness contaminates the container. Bitterness contaminates the container. So I have to recognize that forgiveness is not just saying what they did wasn't wrong. It's just saying, I choose to not be held captive due to who wronged me. Like, when I don't forgive, I install the offender as my prison warden. Only they can get me out of this jail. I have to get an I'm sorry. I have to get, you know what, you're right. I have to get what I did was wrong. When you have assigned that to somebody else, you are installing for them to be your prison warden. Only they can get you out of that jail. 
So I have to forgive them, and I also have to forgive me. I have to forgive me, because the, the original version of me is not worth being incarcerated because of an offense that they did that I don't want to let go. Come out of loaded bar, forgive them, forgive you. Number three, critical, formulate your vision. When you do not have a forward vision, you will revert back to familiar chaos. Chaos is addicting for those who have been born in it. You don't even recognize, for many of us, your type is chaotic. Dysfunction is chaotic. So I have to get to a place, I need to formulate a forward vision. Where is God taking me? Where am I going? Not what happened, but where must I go? Don't focus so much on the what. We focus on the what for healing purposes. This is what happened, this is what hurt, this is what crippled me, so that I can identify the truth of that pain, so that I can begin the journey to become healed. Because I can never, I can never fill a void I avoid. So I have to acknowledge the what, but I'm not staying in the what. I have to formulate the where. Where? In 2015, when I got hurt, that was the what. Where I wanted to go, right here, edifying you. I wanted to be what God called me to be, a voice for my generation. But due to the pain, I was like, I'm not doing, forget people. All they do is use you. Everybody talks about church hurt, right? Nobody considers the pastor. <laughs> Nobody considers like the pastor, unless they're toxic, of course. I'm not talking about a you know religious rhetoric wolf and a bishop collar, but I'm talking about a God-ordained person who, who really, really loves the Lord, right? We get hurt all the time. All the time, people take the unfair advantage of us. People come to the church just to try to get a platform endorsement. They, they don't want me. I mean, they don't want Jesus. They want me. So I had to get to a place where I have to heal from the what happened so I can get where to serve people again with a heart of purity and recognize these people you're speaking to are not them. Don't just focus on the what, formulate the where. That is your vision. Number four, guard your ear. You are most vulnerable to injury after surgery. You are most vulnerable to injury after surgery while God is redeeming the you that you lost. Be careful who is speaking into you because just like natural surgery, you might need somebody to drive you home from the hospital. You might need somebody to help you cook. Why? Because you're most prone to injure yourself again after surgery. And that injury many times comes in the form of who's talking to you. Guard your ear. And last one, rehearse affirmations. Rehearse affirmations. If I keep on rehearsing dead dog and under-rehearse royalty, I'll begin to believe the dead dog. Because like I said in the genesis of this session, thoughts are apparel. What are you thinking? Because what, what you're wearing right now is a thought a designer had. Thoughts are apparel. So I have to rehearse God's thoughts so that I can wear those thoughts and be affirmed in it. I hope this was good for y'all. Let's pray it up. 
and I want you to feast on this. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to come out of Lodabar, that place of nothing? Give us, give us the strength to forgive those and forgive ourselves. For many of us, we didn't know. For some of us, we did know. But if you could forgive us, surely we could forgive ourselves. It is God-like to forgive. Father, I thank you that you help us establish a forward vision so that we won't revert back to familiar chaos and help us to guard our ear so that we can rehearse your affirmations versus lies of culture and enemy. We're asking that you do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.